0: every time I walk in the church house. Oh, I know the pressures of life and our schedule sometimes tries to overrule us. But why don't we just take authority over those pressures of life and those schedules and say there is a higher priority that I've got to take care of today and that is to worship my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why don't we do that right now? Let's just just worship Him in your way this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you're here. Oh, thank you that I feel your presence here today. Thank you, God, that I can connect with you and the Holy Ghost in this place today. Jesus. Thank you that you've come to touch hearts and you've come to change lives. You've come to do a work in somebody's life here this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. While you're standing, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to the 8th chapter of Romans. The message this morning... When I saw that I was scheduled to preach, very quickly I realized what the message for today was, or is to be. A few weeks back, somebody ministered on this same text that we're going to be reading, and Bishop Arthur, at the conclusion of the service, he come by and embraced me. he whispered some thoughts in my ear related to the text that was preached upon that day. And I knew right then that the words that he had whispered in my ear was words to be ministered. Amen. I hope I come across in a sobering way but yet in a thought-provoking way because this is important. It's important. We're talking about your salvation. I'm talking about my salvation today. I don't have this thing in a box till the day that he comes and takes me out of this world either by way of the grave or by the second coming. This is important to me. Amen. I'm beginning at verse 35 and reading through verse 39. The Apostle Paul wrote and said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to lift one word. I want to focus on one word out of this reading for a backdrop of my thought today, and that is in verse 38, the word persuaded. Persuaded. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. And I hope by the time we are through here today that there are some other people that will leave here persuaded. 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 Jesus, we know you're here. We feel the rich presence of God that is in this house this morning. And I'm praying, God, that you would anoint these lips, anoint this mind, anoint my heart to deliver your word, God, Lord, for your people. I pray, God, Lord. Oh, God, Lord, that your word today, God, becomes real in somebody's life and somebody's heart. and Lord, that somebody here today, God, leaves here with a different persuasion than when they walk through the doors. With a determination, Lord Jesus, to live for you, to serve you, to commit their lives to you. I pray and I ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name and everybody say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to just read, and they'll put it up on the screen, our same text from the Amplified, amplified Version. And it says this, Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced, and continue to be convinced, beyond any doubt, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Some pretty strong words that the Apostle Paul penned beyond any doubt. Continued to be convinced beyond any doubt. When you look at the word persuaded, as I have drawn our attention to. In this context, it's no great revelation as to what the meaning of this word is. In this context, it means to be convinced, it means to have a confidence. We live in a world today that people really do not have much confidence in much of anything today. We live in a world today where that there is not much persuasion as to what really is right or what really is wrong. We live in a world today where many people do not have very many opinions about things that affect their life one way or another. We live in a world today where there is not much structure, where that there is not much form. Vocationally, Or whether it may be in their secular living, they just do things on a whim. There's not structure, there's not form to their lives. Paul, in his writings here, writing about how that he is persuaded beyond any doubt, we find that he also, this word persuaded, we find it also used and referenced. Several times as Paul is ministering and teaching to his audiences. We find him in Antioch where he is ministering and many of the Jews and the proselytes who had followed Paul and Barnabas. We find him as he teaches them. It says that he persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. We find him at Corinth where he is reasoning where he is speaking thoroughly he is discussing with them he is declaring he is preaching to them in the synagogue every sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks paul was preaching jesus amen and in his from his preaching of jesus the people them the those that were in his audience it probably was not 100% it probably was not everybody that was there there was probably that left some that left in disagreement and disgruntled at the things that Paul was preaching. But there were some that were there that heard, that took attention to the words that the apostle Paul had spoke and preached to them. And something moved in their spirit, something stirred, and they realized, they understood that what Paul was preaching was truth and they were persuaded. They left there that day persuaded in their hearts, convinced that these were the words that would lead them to eternal life. If you live for God, you have got to be persuaded if you live for God you have got to be convinced you have got to be convinced today that this word of God speaks eternal life into your life it's not just a book but it is the Bible the holy word of God you've got to be persuaded you have got to be convinced that this is not just any other book but this book is the infallible word of God. Hallelujah. You've got to see this book as the holy word of God. You've got to be persuaded that this book, the words that were penned into this book as the spirit of God moved upon men of old and they wrote words that they may not necessarily understood at the time. You've got to be persuaded that those words will bring you eternal life. Amen. If I'm getting too loud, please don't hesitate to turn me down. Amen. But you've got to be persuaded today. Amen. I'm here to declare to you today, if you don't already believe it and if you don't already know it, that God's word is not capable of being wrong. His word is not capable of being wrong. If there's anything wrong, it's how that you apply it to your life. Amen. I am persuaded that this is not just a book that speaks to us in a metaphorical sense. Amen. That is a lie from the pits of hell. It's just metaphorical. No, it's not. It speaks salvation. It's a book that speaks healing. It is a book that speaks deliverance. It is a book that speaks encouragement. It is a book that speaks comfort. It's a book that speaks hope. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, it's sad to say and it's very unfortunate that Christians today will flock To the church houses. Anemic in their spirit. For one reason. Because they never read the word of God. And they do not therefore have a relationship with the word of God. Holy Ghost convicting preaching has been replaced with messages of hope and messages of encouragement and messages of trying to lift people up and Come on, you can make it. And I'm not saying that those are wrong. They, they, there's times and there's places that that needs to be the message that is preached on a given time. But I'm talking about what if people had a relationship with the Word? They wouldn't need a reminder on a Sunday morning from a man behind a pulpit. Amen. But then, people, if you had a relationship with the Word, you would walk through the doors knowing that I am a chosen generation. You would walk through the doors knowing that I am of a royal power priesthood. Amen. You would walk through the doors on a given service that you are persuaded in your spirit that you've got a confidence in God. Amen. That I am a child of the king of all kings. That my daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yes. Hallelujah. If you were persuaded if you had a relationship that is Fresh and daily you freshen that relationship with the Word, you would know that you've got the power to live different. You've got the power within you to act differently. You've got the power to be set apart from the world. You've got the power to be a light that shines into the darkest corners of the world. Amen. Amen. But I am here to tell you this morning that I am not only persuaded in the manner in which I've already spoken, but there are some other things that I am persuaded of this morning that I want to share with you. The first one is this, I am persuaded that Jesus is coming again. I said I'm persuaded that Jesus is coming again. I wonder sometimes how, much, how if if our world really let me say it this way. I wonder sometimes if the people who profess to be Christians really believes in the second coming of Jesus Christ. If we really believed it, sometimes I believe our actions would be different. We would live our lives differently than we are living. But I believe, I am persuaded, that whether alive or whether asleep in the grave, I am convinced, I am persuaded, Jesus is coming again. Somebody may say, well, I've heard that all my life. I've heard that growing up. I grew up in the church, maybe. And I I heard my Sunday school teacher teach it all the time. And I I heard the the preacher preach it many times. And and, and, and I've just heard it so much that I really just don't believe it. Well, just because he has not come does not negate the fact That he is coming again. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It means we're one day closer to his coming. See our modern day problem is. Is that people have lost their fear of God. When I say fear I'm speaking in terms of reverence. People have lost their reverence for God, And I could go down a whole list, and I'm not going to today, but I'm just making that statement. People have lost their fear. People have lost their reverence for God. And one of the reasons why is because there is no relationship with His Word. Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not seen as yet. Get this. He moved with fear. What did he do? He prepared an ark for the purpose of saving his house. Amen. Let me me just go back and let me read that again. He moved with fear. He moved with a reverence that God had spoken. God had spoken to him a way of salvation for him and his family. He feared God enough. He reverenced God enough that when God spoke to him a plan, that you, by my plan, this is how that you and your family can be saved, it moved him into action. He prepared an ark the saving of his house. The word of God is sounding an alarm. If you have a relationship with the word of God, you know. If you have any understanding, if you even have any Uh, somewhat of a belief of what is written in this book, then there should be those red lights and those sirens and and those, those alarm bells that goes off in your mind and in your heart when you begin to read the scripture about making yourself ready and preparing yourself for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to move with a fear that says I've got to prepare my heart. You've got to move with a reverence that says I've got to prepare myself that I can save myself from this untoward generation. Something, amen, not seen yet. That voice that says, I've heard it so long, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I believe it. Put yourself in the shoes of Noah. God spoke to Noah something he spoke something into Noah's heart that he could not see with a physical eye but yet it it moved him it moved in his spirit it moved Noah to action he reverenced God that much something that he couldn't something that was not tangible something that he couldn't put his fingers on he couldn't see it but God gave it the plan to him he gave it to him down to the very details down to the very dimensions on how to build that big boat that would float on top of the water and save him and his family and I'm here to tell you today when you get into the word of God when you get into the book when you begin to search out the scriptures he's given you a plan on how to be saved he's given you a plan just how uh, what you've got to do to repent, to be baptized, to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, to save you and all those as you go out and you declare it and you preach it to the world, those that will hear you. Amen. The word is sounding an alarm. You and I here today from the preaching of this word out of this book, you are being warned of God. He is coming again. He is coming again. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Make yourself ready. Jesus is coming again. Noah had never seen rain before. But he heard the voice of God. He was persuaded, and because of his persuasion, he saved himself and his family. In Matthew 25, and they'll put that up on the screen, Jesus gives us a parable. It's the parable where he is dividing the sheep from the goats, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the King say unto them on His right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Acts chapter 1, as Jesus has just made his ascension into the heavens, the apostles that were there with him, I can only imagine what their thoughts were and what was going through their head at what they had just witnessed. He was there. One minute, he's gone the next. And they were standing there, and in my my mind, as I try to do a visual of their reaction, I I don't know, they may have been pale-faced. They may have been just white as a sheet because of what they had just seen and what they had witnessed, but... I believe they were certainly dumbfounded at what they had just witnessed because it took an angel to come along and kind of nudge and say, hey, you heard what the man said. This same Jesus which which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming. Jesus is coming. Paul wrote, and I'll put it up on the screen, he wrote this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Don't become so disillusioned if you are here and if you are tempted to... Latch on to the statement that I made earlier that sometimes people, they, they've heard, heard the message so long that they just become so disillusioned that uh, I just don't know if it's true anymore. I've heard that so long. doesn't matter, my friend. Don't change a thing because you may not see the second coming, but you will someday See death. And you're either going to be here walking on terra firma when that trumpet sounds, or you're going to be in the grave in which the Apostle Paul wrote and said, The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. I am persuaded that Jesus is coming. I am confident that he is coming for a church. I am confident this morning that he is coming for a people. I am confident today that he is coming for a glorious church that is without spot, that a church that is without wrinkle, amen, a church that is holy, without blemish, Amen. With their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am confident this morning. I am persuaded that Jesus is coming. The second persuasion that I'll share with you today is I am persuaded that there is a place called heaven. Amen. This is where I heard people ask the question, do you think that's a metaphor, or if that is spoken in a metaphorical sense? No, I do not. Jesus spoke of heaven as a place. When the 70 disciples, when they returned and they were rejoicing, they came back to where Jesus was. They they were all ecstatic and elated that the devil, even the devils, they said, were subject to, uh, unto us through your name. And Jesus' reply it was almost as if he was saying, hold on a minute, don't get hung up on that. Because he said, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. And then he instructs them with these words, Rejoice not because the spirits are subject unto you. But because your names are written in heaven. Amen. 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 Next scripture I'm going to read, they'll put it up. Jesus, he's comforting his disciples in John chapter 14. And he says, that In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there, that where I am, that where I am, amen, there ye may also be also, amen. For all of those who might say, well, I've heard that so long, let me just remind you of a man named Abraham. a man Who had a promise from God. And the scripture tells us that Abraham, he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Didn't matter what life brought him. Didn't matter how long he had to travel. He, I'm sure that he put a log a lot of miles on them old feet with the sand flowing between his toes. But he kept on walking, looking for the promise, looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. A holy city! That John the Revelator describes as a city that had gates of pearl and walls of jasper. A city that he described as... Not needing the sun or the moon because Jesus, the glory of God, would be the light in that city. A city where nothing could enter in to defile it. Nothing that would worketh abomination. Nobody that would tell a lie was going to be permitted entrance into that city. Only those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Are you persuaded this morning that your name is written in that book? A third persuasion As I am persuaded that there is a place called hell. And I don't believe it's metaphorical. Just as he prepared a place for the born-again believer, and we read the scripture where he comforted his disciples that I go to prepare, prepare a place for you. Just as he told them, made that statement to them, he has also prepared a place for the devil and his angels. Jesus described hell as a place where the worm dieth not. And the fire is not quenched. A place where there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth. When You read the parable of the rich man Lazarus. Lazarus, he was a beggar man. He laid at the gate. In this parable, he was laid at the gate of the rich man waiting for the table scraps, waiting for the crumbs to be thrown out in order that he might have something to eat and to sustain his life. In this parable, Lazarus dies. He is carried into Abraham's bosom. The rich man likewise died. And the parable says that the rich man was taken out and he was buried. The parable goes on to tell us that in hell the rich man lifts up his eyes, being in torment, and sees Abraham with Lazarus in his bosom. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger And some water that he can cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Father Abraham's reply in this parable was, well, there's a great gulf that is fixed so that they which would pass from here to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from you. As I'm closing, Isaiah chapter 5 tells us that hell enlarges itself. Hell enlarges itself. Jesus also taught that wide is the way that leadeth to destruction. Straight and narrow is the way. That leads to eternal life. The wide and the narrow way represents the popular way. The trendy way. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's going that way. The rich man, the story goes on. And the rich man says, Well, would you send Lazarus to my brother's? tell them, warn my brothers of this place of torment. And Abraham responds with this, he says, well, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man said, but if one from the dead would go to them, then my brothers would repent. And Abraham responds If they heard not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. You not only here this morning have Moses and the prophets, but you've also got the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles in addition to Moses and the prophets that will explain to you that gives you the plan of salvation what you must do to be saved this morning what you've got to do to have eternal life to, to, to walk out this door with this persuasion that you are ready that you are prepared to meet your God I am persuaded this morning There is a place called hell. And as we close and as we stand, I'm also persuaded that there that we have a choice where we will spend eternity. Amen. Let me say that again. I am persuaded that we have a choice here this morning. Right here, 2019, we have a choice, and I am persuaded that God will honor your choice. One of the most, most saddest stories that I find in the New Testament. when Paul is before King Agrippa and he is making his case he's giving his testimony and really what he was doing he was preaching to King Agrippa and after he finished preaching giving his testimony whatever you want to call it King Agrippa said these words, and I'm paraphrasing Paul, you almost persuaded me. You almost got me. You almost convinced me. I hope and pray that there's nobody here this morning that'll walk out these doors. uttering the words, maybe not verbally but by your actions I hope there's nobody that will walk out of here today and say you almost got me you almost persuaded me it's your soul what about your soul what about where you'll spend eternity You say, well, you're just trying to scare me. No, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to bring a sobering reality, a sobering picture to you of reality, what this is about. Amen. No, you won't hear this out there in the modern day religious world. Amen. But I'm here today to declare to you the Word of God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is an eternity. And Jesus is coming again. Before any of us, if you're here and if you are spirit-filled, if you have the Holy Ghost, I want you in your spirit right now to begin praying. I want you to begin to intercede for those that are here that may, or may, may not be sure of their election and of their calling. If Jesus was to come this afternoon, if He was to come tonight, or if He was to call somebody here home, Amen. I want the church to intercede on their behalf. Before anybody moves towards the altar, I want to first invite the individual who that the Lord is talking to right here this morning. The Holy Ghost is talking to you this morning. I want you to step out. I want you to come down to this altar and find a place of repentance right here. Amen. Somebody here this morning, somebody that... In your heart, you know I've got I've got to repent. I I I've got to get right with God. Amen. Come on, there's got to be somebody here this morning in a crowd like this. Somebody, uh, maybe you've had a past experience with God. Maybe you've had a relationship with God that's just kind of grown cold and uh, 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 and you've found yourself distant from God. This is your time. This is your moment. Step out. Come down to this place of repentance. Amen. There's one soul that stepped out. Amen. I'm praying, God, fill him with the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, God, fill him with your spirit. Oh, God, I pray, God, honor his faith today. Yes, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Oh, come on, there ought to be more than this. There's got to be somebody else in this place today. Oh, Jesus, oh, come on. Uh, Holy Ghost conviction is tearing you up inside. Uh, step out, step out. Come to this altar of repentance today. Amen. Maybe you see somebody next to you. You feel like the Lord is dealing with them. I pray that you would go reach out to them. Put your arm around them. Pray with them. Amen. I'm asking men, Holy Ghost filled men, come down. Let's build up a wall of prayer behind this man. Amen. Let's help this man pray through to the Holy Ghost here today. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, God, this man's persuaded, Lord, that he needs you today. Come on, men, come on, Holy Ghost-filled men. Ah, we need your help up here today. Ah, Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, in the name of Jesus. Maybe you didn't step out, but the Holy Ghost is dealing with you. Now that there's some up here, I'm asking you to step out and come on up here to pray with us. Oh, Jesus. Savior God, Savior God. Come on, church, let's gather in. Let's build up a wall of prayer. Let's help this individual to be refilled with the Holy Ghost today. Jesus, Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah Come on, come on There's too many sitting back right now Get up here, come on There's somebody that's trying to pray through the Holy Ghost Amen Oh Jesus, I pray Fill him with your spirit today, God Oh God, Lord You see his heart His hunger His longing for you, God, today Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Come on, prayer warriors. Come on, prayer warriors. Ah, come on, intercessors. Ah, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.